0: This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Harbor at Home. I'm Spencer Lawrence, and I hope uh, that wherever this message finds you, in a home with friends or family, or listening later to this message by yourself, um, that this time together that we have would draw you closer to the heart of God and closer to community as we share life and as we get to grow together. And so as I prayed into this message about what I was supposed to share, um, I didn't feel that God was leading me to, to speak or to teach on a specific theme or a topic, but instead I felt led to dive into Ephesians uh, with you and to share Um, and receive from what Paul's edification to the church in Ephesus is. And so before even the beginning of uh, 2022, my wife and I heard God really speaking to us that um, one of the key ways that he was going to be speaking to us in the coming year and leading us is through his written word, but not just to us, um, also to the church and the leading of the church through his word. Um, and I know that God speaks to us and he speaks to us through our leaders and on, on Sunday and through messages. And I'm sure there's lots of resources that you are being led by. But I just felt God bring us back to um, his leadership through his word will we'll be forever and, and be trustworthy. So it's not just inspiration or instruction. It's something that we can actually stand on and that we can actually walk our, walk our lives on and uh, live our lives on. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, um, would you open with me to Ephesians 3? Um, we are in the message series, Counter Culture. So the context for the book of Ephesians, uh, before we begin to read chapter 3, is that Paul wrote this letter, and he actually wrote three other letters while he was on house arrest in Rome. And so this, this is such an interesting picture, he's on house arrest, persecuted, uh, for being a minister of the gospel. And this is, this is the epitome of living counterculture. Specifically, Paul's life is an example of being brought from death to life, spiritual death to life, and from darkness to light. And he's, he's, he was brought from darkness to light to being a living light in a dark world. He was previously trying to actively stop and kill the church. And we read in Ephesians, he is currently, what we're reading is him edifying and actually building it up. And Paul's life goes from persecuting Jesus in Acts 9. Jesus speaks specifically to Paul saying, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he doesn't realize he's persecuting Jesus himself, but he goes, Paul's life goes from living persecuting Jesus to being persecuted for Jesus and what we're about to read in this passage is interceding with Jesus for us it's incredible um, in Paul, uh, Paul's life uh, he, he tells in Ephesians 3 7-8 through 8, let's, let's start there he tells a story and he says I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power and although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Isn't this amazing? It's, it's amazing that he tells his conversion story like this. I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace. What did that actually look like? It actually looked like Jesus knocking him to the ground and uh, blinding him for three days. And he calls this a gift of God's grace given to him through the working of his power. That's, that's incredible for him to be able to say that this conversion story is that. Because he says he receives the revelation in this physical blindness. He receives the revelation that Jesus is the son of God who has come to give eternal life. He was, Paul was once proud, living with authority and power. And now we read in this, he says, Although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to preach, and he says that um, he was once proud, but now he is thankful to be brought low. And he was once considering himself from the most important, and now he considers himself the least. See, he's he was blinded physically, but now he's seeing with new eyes. He's seeing the importance and how the kingdom sees of what is truly powerful, what is truly significant and important. And I love that he he says that the greatest honor in this isn't status, wealth, or power. He says, this grace was given to me, I said this before, to preach. I love this. And, and to preach in this context means to demystify the gospel, to take, if we could read on um, in this verse, but he goes to, to take the mystery of who Jesus is and make it known to the church and to the world. This is my greatest honor, where before his greatest honor was ruling, being uh, an intellectual and having power. Now he's, he, he finds the greatest honor in uh, preaching the, the, the news of Jesus. And, and this is such a clear picture of living counterculture, a life that is completely transformed with new purpose. But I would actually say that it was, in fact, he was originally living opposite of his purpose all along. And he was, Jesus just brought him back into his original purpose. And my prayer is that we would see the world with those eyes as we look at the drug addict, as we look at those that are the most broken and the most lost, we just see them living opposite of their original purpose. And we see people, even people persecuting the church that are potential Pauls, that are actually so powerful, a voice of God in the earth. That, that's been my prayer lately. In all of what's happening, there's so much noise. And my prayer lately has been God, raise up voices that, that are able to make your gospel known and clear. Um, that, that are living a, a living testimony and so I, I just love this that Paul um, doesn't just see or teach or pray with new eyes he has revelation here in chapter 3 on how the church was created to be fruitful and live and so that's what we're going to receive from today so let's let's uh, look down at uh, verse uh, 3 uh, chapter three, fourteen. that's where we're going to start just this little section um And I want to say, I think it's really important that we're taking not just the Bible seriously as we read this, but that we're receiving from a forefather of the church, someone who edified, who built up the church. And I believe that that was God's original design and instructions. This is one of the ways that he wants to build... And grow the church now. Like this, this is just as relevant as it was in Ephesus, as it, as it is right now. Because the word of God is eternal. The word of God is true. And, and, and not only is it, is it trustworthy, but it endures. So in Ephesians 3, starting in 14, um, Paul begins to talk about how we are created to be fruitful. And, and he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So for what reason? He starts at the beginning. For what reason? Well, verse in verse 12, he says that in Jesus and through faith, we can approach God with freedom and confidence. So he says, for this reason, I have full access. So I'm, I'm going to come before God because I can. He's made it possible so i can come and ask i can come and pray i can come and intercede for you this is the reason i'm doing this not because i have to because i'm able to because god has made a way for um, his glorious riches to be given and i'm going to ask for them and so he's praying for the church and so prayer in this context prayer is access to god through faith and it's access to god's nature Paul is saying, I know who God is. He says, I kneel before the Father, and he knows who, what God has done. And he says, whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So that means God is Father, and what has he done? He's created. And then not only that, but he says, um, I come before the Father, and I know who he is. I know what he's done, but I also know what he has. Like I said before, I know he has something for the church. I know he has glorious riches. And so I'm praying for the church through access with Jesus. I have access through Jesus. And because of this, he's praying that the Holy Spirit would strengthen your, personally, but also our collectively, would strengthen our inner being. That word inner being means heart, soul, not, not the physical. He's not praying, God, would you strengthen them physically? He's saying, I pray that you would strengthen them in their inner being, in their soul. So there's something more important than just our ability and our day to day strength that we need to go about living our lives. Paul knows this specifically. He knows this personally because he, at this point, as he writes this, he's been serving counterculturally for 26 years. And most of those 26 years have been persecution. So it's so interesting. He doesn't say, God, would you give them physical strength to endure persecution? Or would you give them physical strength to be ministers of the gospel? He says, God, would you give them strength in their inner being? Would you strengthen their souls? Would you strengthen their hearts? So why would he pray for strength in our inner beings and our souls? Well, as we move on to uh, verse uh, 16 and 17, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches... He may strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, our souls, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is the first key in this life of fruitfulness that Paul is laying out in the church. Here is how the church is fruitful. Step one, point number one, it makes it really simple. I'm praying that you have strength in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwell here means to inhabit, to govern, to rule with divine power, and to always be present. So the key, first key to fruitfulness is so simple. It's just to remain, that Jesus would remain in us and us in him. It's interesting that in the natural, if you look you know, just as a, a, the example of a tree, that if a tree is uprooted, There's something that can happen that's called a root shock and it actually takes a while for the roots to get um, Readjusted and and actually begin to like receive nutrients from the ground again And sometimes trees don't begin to grow again because the the roots are so shocked just by uprooting and replanting and Sometimes you can uproot and replant but if we look in the natural at all the movement in the world and and how much transition is going on in people's lives. And I'm not saying all of it's wrong, but if we look at fruitfulness, if we look at the start of fruitfulness, this key to remain, that if we think about a tree being uprooted, planted, uprooted, planted, uprooted and planted, that, that the ability to be fruitful just isn't possible because it's always just trying to be healthy. And so to live remaining in Christ It takes his divine power. Think about this in our culture. It actually takes, and and I want to use power as his help, God's strength. God, we need your help. We need your strength to stay, um, to to dwell, and to remain in you. It takes faith from him to remain. I know that it's simple. It would be like, but it's it's not this, God, I'm going to go sit in the sanctuary of a church every single day. Or... I'm going to formulate or create a, a, this, this specific structure every day I, for three hours a day. I'm going to be in your order or in prayer. And this is how I remain. There, there's a real heart connect that takes his ability. He's the one that makes relationship possible. And so I'm not saying that changing our jobs and transition, or I'm not even saying that transitioning, changing churches is bad. But I can say, and I want, to, I want to say this from Paul's heart, but also God's heart as he prays here, um, that as we, as we look to be fruitful, as we want to be healthy and have life in us, that a pastor, a church, a job, or any kind of culture isn't what is, is what we're going to be rooted in or, or planted in or remain in. It's, it's actually Christ himself. Yes, we're a part of a church culture. Yes, we receive from a leader. But we're not remaining in relationship just with a pastor. It's Christ that we need to remain in. So he goes on to pray in Ephesians 3, 17 through 18. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established, we, we said that to dwell, to remain. So first step, remain, dwell. The second key, second step is that I pray you would be rooted established, not just remaining in Christ, but be rooted and established in love and may have power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of God. Dwelling and remaining looks like something. I love the language here, rooted and established, not just surviving, not searching, but established. There's history, We know God, and he knows us. It's not, God, I've experienced you just this last week. I I have testimony of my life. I'm rooted, I'm established. Where? In love. Not in our ability, not in our personality, not in our job or our ministry, but in a known love. And so he he says that we be rooted and established in love so that we may grasp, the word grasp here means to comprehend, and, and the original Greek word means to lay hold of, to take hold of, to make our own, in, in or to possess, so that we would possess to make our own the, the greatness of the love of Jesus. So I love this. He says, you, you are rooted so that you can be established in love and so that you would be able to grasp and make your own the love of Jesus. So not, we, not only are we rooted in it, but we, we, we possess it, we have it. And not only this, but we are rooted, we are not rooted alone. This love is so big. He says, together with all of God's people. This love is so big that it's meant to be shared. So do we really want to see how massive Jesus's love can be? Well, it's going to come through people who remain are faithful and live rooted and established in Christ's love and this is practical it's not just the feeling of love or or the, the the manifest presence of God in a worship service I love that but being rooted in Christ's love and actually possessing his love looks like something because it looks it looks like missions you and I could go on a missions trip by ourselves and and do you know the work of God and love people well but imagine when a team goes or imagine when churches Coordinate and there's unity, and we're rooted in the love of God. We're able to even see how how countries are able to be impacted when the church is rooted in the love of God together. This this is the 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 nature of being fruitful. So, we are we dwell, we are rooted, and then the third is we are fruitful. That this is the process. We stay, we remain, we are rooted, and then fruitfulness is possible. He prays in nineteen in verse nineteen that we would know this love, know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be able, that you may be filled to the measure of fullness of God. To all, so I'm sorry to read this, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Now that, when I first read this, and I was you know, share, gonna share this, I'm like, how do I even approach this idea that, that we, you and I, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? I'm like, there's, there's no way to even teach on that. I don't even know how, how, to, how to say that. And God gave me a really simple picture, and I'll share that in a minute. But he's praying here that, that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. The word know here means intimacy. The result of intimacy is fruitfulness. Think of marriage, you know, two, two people that love one another, and there's intimacy, there physical intimacy, and then children are born because of that. But also, did you know like in trees that there are male and female trees as well as well? And there are there are ways that they pollinate each other so that they can be fruitful. There's there's a real intimacy, it requires connection. So f- the, the third thing of fruitfulness is that being fruitful comes not just from love, but but active love, from intimacy, from close, from closeness. And that relationship produces fruit and and I love what he says here that that um, it's a love that we know that we we have intimate knowledge of but it surpasses knowledge that this love was always meant to be on a heart level through trust we we read that in in verse 16 from the inner place from our inner being so I, I like I said you know, just a minute ago, how, how do we even begin to grasp this filled with the measure of the fullness of God? Well, I just want to ask a simple question How much fruit can a tree grow? Th- there's really no end. Isn't that amazing? Like this side of eternity, there exists something almost eternal, really. As long as the earth can last or as long as a tree can live, there are trees right now that are hundreds and hundreds of years old and so i just (laughs) i think there's a there's a very real picture that god has meant for us to be fruitful long term this is what it looks like to be to be filled with the measure of the fullness of god so fruit has seeds as we bear fruit actually plants more trees as our life is rooted in love and we love well and we have relationship with god and in this world living counterculture being rooted. That fruit is able to be uh, created in our lives. And then not only that, but people receive from it and then seeds are sown in their life to be fruitful as well. God has designed that there would be no end. That's incredible. So I, I want to end with just this this one simple um, statement is that we were all meant to be fruitful in our created purposes. This doesn't mean you have to be working for a church or a missionary, whatever it may be, whatever your calling is in your job or your passion and your purpose, we we're created to be rooted and fruitful in our identities in Christ. But it's important that we don't measure our fruitfulness by the world's standards. Um, it's just an incredible uh, humble place that we get to come before God and say, God, make my life fruitful, but keep me humble so I'm not measuring or comparing myself by the world's standards. And I I really believe that's a life of freedom. Um, Mother Teresa says, love is a fruit in season at all times and, and within reach of every hand. I can do things you cannot do and you can do things I cannot do, but together we can do great things. So I'm going to pray, and then let's have uh, a great time together discussing about uh, life together rooted in the love of God. God, I just pray uh, we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and I pray the hearts would be encouraged today that, God, fruitfulness is possible, um, even if we don't feel right now like we are being fruitful, that you, you are giving us instruction. You have leadership in our life to show us what we need. And so we just say, yes, speak now.